Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction, brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. My name is John McMullen, and I'm the marketing director here at MBI. Today, I'm joined by Cliff Hokinson, executive VP at HHI Corporation. Cliff is here today to talk about HHI and the medical triage units they've developed in response to COVID-19. Cliff, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. John, thanks for having me on this podcast. This is great. Oh, it's my pleasure. I also wanted to extend a warm welcome. You are very new members of MBI. That's correct. We are so excited to be members. The Modular Building Institute is just a great opportunity for us uh, to expand what we've been doing for the last 50 years and just expand into doing modular building along with everything else we've been doing. So well, welcome. Thanks welcome. for welcoming us. Uh, so let's let's dive in. Tell me about HHI. How did it start? So uh, 50 years ago, HHI started uh, building cabins uh, in Utah, the, up in the mountains in Utah. Uh, my mom and dad were the founders. They started the company and started building cabins. About two years after they started the company, they started doing federal contracting and industrial contracting where we did, built a number of different projects for the Department of Defense uh, and a lot of stuff in, in, so a number of years we were building lots of different projects and for the last 30 years we've been doing a lot of chemical and biological testing facilities across the country. So we got, uh, along with that we also built a lot of uh, buildings, hangars, for airplanes and all kinds of support structures that would be required for anything that the D Department of Defense would use, either Air Force or the Army and, uh, and the Navy. So we've been doing a lot of work like that for these 50 years. And as we've been going about doing all this work, about 15 years ago, we started building modular airplane maintenance stands. So you kind of see the construction side over 50 years being developed. About 15 years ago, we started doing in-house construction or fabrication of aluminum and steel structures for maintaining planes like the C-17 and the C-130 and air, uh, fighter jets like the F-16 and helicopters like the Apache or the Chinook and the uh, uh, UH-60 um, helicopters. So we've we do a lot of projects, and our projects have been very modular, and we'd ship them in containers. Our projects go around the world. We've been in uh, Chile and Australia and Africa and a couple other places uh, in Europe. So we've, we've, our products that we manufacture have begun across the world. So that's kind of how we got started. So and today we do all that what I've been talking about. We don't build cabins anymore, but we do a little bit of everything else and build across the country at different uh, Department of Defense sites, and we do commercial construction as well. Most of our stuff is very industrial, what we do, along with this manufacturing. Well, that's really that's cool. It's quite, quite, a, quite a leap from the cabins uh, that, that your parents started the company with uh, to be really a, a global company, um, which, which I guess brings me to my next question. As a global company, uh, particularly in the past few months with everything uh, we've been dealing with with COVID-19. Tell me about the challenges that HHI has faced. What's changed? I think for for us and a lot of everybody else, we've had the problem of getting supplies. You know, our suppliers. We've had suppliers that have had uh, COVID hit their supply houses or their fabrication plants, and 
and they have shut down. Um, and we have not been able to get some of the materials that we needed. Uh, and that's been a game changer for some places where only one manufacturer manufactured the, the materials we needed. And we just had to go back to our clients and said, hey, manufacturer, the only manufacturer this can't get it to us, so we can't finish the project. And we've had to reschedule. And that's been extremely difficult, uh, but they've been understanding. Uh, for the most part, we've been really good, uh, but the supply chain has definitely changed. And we've had to go to different markets across the country to get uh, new supplies. And then as far as in-house, we used to do uh, a lot of meetings in-house. We are very virtual. We've, we've done a lot of virtual meetings because we work around the globe. We've been doing it for years. But we've, where we had clients close by, we'd like to meet with them. And we've changed it to where we don't see them that often. Even our inspectors on critical sites, we've had to do some type of a Zoom meeting, a go-to meeting, or um, just a FaceTime where we'd be able to show them what we've done and document what we, they wanted to see before we closed up something. And so the world's changing. And uh, we've been very fortunate to be able to adapt quickly and most of it we were already doing, so it was easy for us just to move forward in. Uh, but the, there's definitely some challenges. Uh, we, we have some new stringent policies here on our campus. We have about 85 people on our campus where we uh, manufacture, and we make sure that they have, uh, we, every day we do go through a COVID test, a screen, to make sure that they are clear and they're good to uh, basically work here. So it's different, you know, we didn't used to be able to do that. Now we, we kind of do it kind of at a necessity. Mm. So big changes. So uh, speaking more of, of COVID, what inspired HHI to create uh, the mobile triage unit? Was it, uh, was it entirely new? Was it based on previous work? Uh, how was it designed? Uh, tell me more uh, about that. So that's a great I guess the inspiration came uh, a few months before we started. Uh, a little background. So we built a, a container called a containerized biocontainment system for the Department of State a number of years ago when Ebola broke out in Africa. So when that happened, the uh, basically the State Department was given some money, um, and with that money they wanted to come up with a way to bring the doctors and nurses home that were going and treating patients for Ebola in Africa. So it was about 2016, 2015, uh, about five years ago. And they contracted with uh, a partner of ours to get some, to have us fabricate uh, this container that would hold and contain Ebola patients, four patients and doctors and nurses, keep them all safe, and transport them on a C-17 or a C-5 or um, a 747E cargo plane and ship them home. So that background is kind of interesting. Why were we qualified for, well, for the last 30 years, we've been working in the chemical and biological arena, and we're one of the best in the world at building containment for chemicals or biological problems, stuff like anthrax, ricin, Ebola, so the high-level bio, biocontaminants. And so when you heard about COVID and said, well, it's really not that infectious of a disease compared to anthrax, or at a high level. So when we kind of heard about the, the COVID, we said, well, we could do something about it. But we found that the that ship that was in Japanese Harbor, the cruise ship, all those patients from the United States got shipped home on 
a 747E. The ones that weren't infected were in the seats that you saw in the pictures, but next to the picture was our box. It's a, it looks like a shipping container. It's not a shipping container. It's a very uh, high-tech box with a heavy loads that, for a cargo plane, and we had the patients inside of it, and they shipped them home. Well, we saw that on social media, and we were real excited, you know. And sometimes you see something, we're like, hey, we built that box, but it's been like four years since we built it. And we were excited. We're like, hey, they used our box. They shipped the people home. And we built two originally about five years ago, and a couple years ago we built an additional two of these boxes. So we're not sure which of the units, which of the four we built, they shipped them home on. But when we saw it, we thought, that's cool. They're using our technology, our build. And uh, – just probably, it was kind of cool. The news media kind of did a little pressure. They came out and said, hey, now you've done this with the box, and you're, you guys are the builders of this. What are you going to do next? And, you know, John, when somebody asks you that question, what are you going to do next? It's like, well, I don't want somebody to ask me, what do we want? We went to people. We went to the Corps of Engineers, went to FEMA, went to everybody and said, hey, we're experts at taking care of infectious disease. What, what would you like us to do? And all of them said, put your name on the list, and we'll get back to you later. And I thought, that's crazy. I feel like as a citizen of this great country, we needed to do something more responsive and build something that we could that would help people. So middle of May, about May, uh, or sorry, March 24th, woke up in the morning, and uh, inspiration comes, and the inspiration came and it said, we need to build some infectious disease box. And you know how to do it, Cliff, because we we it's pretty easy. Uh, we came up with a system and said, we want something that would go very remote to the remote hospitals, say in Wyoming or Illinois or somewhere that doesn't have a big hospital, and we wanted to have something that would service people and keep the doctors and nurses safe and make it modular and mobile so we could go in and literally in a day or day and a half it would be set up ready to go. And if they didn't have the utilities, we would have the generator on board, some other things to make it work so they could operate it for at least a week's time before they'd have to refuel it or do something else. So that was our goal. We got together on, that was May 20, March 24th, keep saying that wrong. Nine weeks later, we built, we'd finished our prototype and operational, brought doctors and nurses in, and they love it. And it's just, uh, it was our response to COVID. Someone asked me, why did we do it? And, uh, John, it really comes down to I don't know how to sew. And uh, I just told everybody, I don't know how to sew, but we know how to weld and we know how to build things. And because of that, we thought that's what our contribution will be. That's really amazing. Uh, but for those uh, who have not seen the unit, I'll just remind everyone quickly, there, are, there is a picture, uh, a couple of them, in fact, uh, on modular.org. We have a crisis response uh, page. You can get to it right from the homepage of modular.org, so I encourage uh, all the listeners there to go and check out uh, the, the images that we have uh, from a lot of members, uh, including HHI. Um, but tell me, uh, Cliff, about the, the layout of the unit. How does it work for patients and healthcare providers? How do those inside the unit stay safe? Perfect. So, we also have a link on our website, hhicorp.com, that will show pictures of it. So if someone wants to visually see it, they can go there, and it shows it being installed. I'll walk you through it real simple. So there's seven different modular units that are components that are 8 foot by 40 feet. They're basically shipping containers that uh, there are ISO blocks on them. 
the back, the, there's six boxes and one skid, which is the floor. The seventh one that's in the back is, is this skid that has a generator, an air handler unit, and the utilities that need to be there for, to support the air handler and the generator, meaning the fuel tank and the propane tank and a few other things. The next unit that's next to it would be the utility room, and the utility room has the electrical gear inside of it, network switch, a tank for water, a tank for sewage, pumps, and associated equipment that need to be there. The one right next to it would be the nurse's station. This is where the people are going to be in. So the nurses are going to be in the air, and if you kind of took my picture, as you kind of walk forward, the utility, or the skid, then the utility room, and then the nurse's station, the air is being generated on the seventh unit, which is the skid, and the air is being uh, just pulled in from outside. We're filtering it, and then we're going to condition it to either cold or hot, depending on what we need, and pu push it through into the nurse's station. At the nurse's station, we're going to distribute that air that's comfortable air, that's clean, to the nurses so the nurses and doctors don't have to wear masks. From that nurse's station, where they're going to have computers and they have their own private bathroom and their sinks and stuff and, and whiteboards like you see at a typical nurse's station at a hospital. From that, we're going to go, those are all long ways, and then on the 40-foot direction, there's, there's four different pods, patient portals, that hook up to the end of that nurse's station. Each one of those portals have a laminar, we have a laminar flow of air that's going to move through to cascade or to push the air into where the patients are sick, and then we're going to filter out that air with help of filtration system that are going to allow us to take those fine particles, capture them, and so those biological contaminants aren't going to get out in the air. So that's the basic means of drawing the air through. In the patient portals, there's going to be a restroom for the patients, three patient beds in most of the portals. The one exception is on the one end, there's going to be two patient beds because the bathroom is, or the restroom's an ADA-compliant bathroom for that need. Uh, but there's, so each portal, patient portal, is being given fresh or clean air, and it just, and it laminarly flows through some filtering systems through a series of doors and, and through filters. The, the nurses come through the doors, but the air goes through the filters. And the, it, it allows the nurses to go from the nurse's station, walk into the first area, which is the donning and doffing area, meaning where they'll put on their protective equipment. Then they'll proceed through into where the patients are at and treat the patients. And when they're done, they would come back out, doff off or basically take off the uh, protective equipment, throw it in their biocontaminant container there, and go about their day. So they, this is a very, um, a very useful tool that the, a lot of doctors and nurses across the country, they're excited about because now what they can do is they can take a remote hospital that has maybe 12 to 20 beds and they can add these extra 11 bed portal outside in their parking lot next to their emergency room or wherever else and they can treat their patients there without causing harm or potential infectious disease to enter in the hospital. They can actually keep it outside. And the infectious diseases patients can be treated there. Well, it really is. They, oh, I'm sorry. No, keep going. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it really is an impressive facility. I wanted to ask you 
uh, in a more general sense, what goes into creating a modular building for healthcare? Uh, are there special requirements or design considerations that you have to factor in? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So there are, there are a lot of things that have to go into healthcare. So this one, we're trying to make an infectious disease. There's all kinds of how do we monitor the patient? How do we talk to the patient? We don't want to go in there if there's a immediate need, how do we check on them? So there's some visual uh, visual via camera that they be able to watch the patients, one camera per patient. They also have a nurse's call station so the patients are in distress or they want a Coke or a, a drink of water, whatever it is, they can pay, press the button and get the nurse's attention. So there's a few things. Basically, if you walked in the hospital and you saw that gear with including oxygen and suction, and can't you know how do you monitor people? All that same equipment has to go into this modular unit. So and then just trying to keep it modular without being crammed that was quite a challenge. Um, but it was so we don't. There's no we have to follow all the rules of healthcare and then make it modular. And what we've designed it to be is something that would stand up to hurricane force winds, so it could be used in. Georgia, or we've got one going to Florida right now. In those high wind situations for hurricanes, we've got it set up for that. So it adds another uh, another twist because there's a lot more structure you have to do to accommodate those high winds that would be exposed in those uh, hurricane areas. So I think I answered your question. You did. A you lot. did. Very, thank you. I've been doing some reading uh, about the mobile triage unit, and one was donated to a health system down in Miami. I, I, I know that they're being particularly hard hit right now. What's the reception been uh, since that donation? So they are extremely excited. Um, they so the the donation it's they're they're I have to they're putting a concrete foundation around. So it hasn't got there yet. So there's a little bit of uh, they wanted to put it in the grassy area. And it was an area where we hadn't anticipated that someone would want to put it in a grassy area. We thought they'd want to put it in a parking lot. So when we told them, wait, you need to put some concrete down before we put it there uh, and make sure we can tie it down with those huge wind forces, we have to have a good anchoring system. And uh, so they're putting the concrete in place, and it'll be be there pretty quick because they they were actually hoping that uh, that big wave that's hitting Miami right now would hit later in the fall. And so it would be needed a little bit later. They need it right now. And so we're we're both anxiously awaiting them to get the concrete done so we can get it there. So we're excited about it, though. Gotcha. So when, once that concrete's in place, how long do you think the installation will take? Oh, okay. So this is really cool, John. And if you your listeners are listening, they need to go to our website. We put this uh, unit together in our parking lot, and we have it on video. And if you watch it on video, it's three minutes. But it really took longer than that. But that's uh, it was three minutes of time lapse. Uh, it takes about 12 hours, so about a day or a day and a half to uh, put together. So really fast. Once they once we get uh, the concrete approved, it'll be uh, first day we'll be unloading, and the second day we'll turn the switch and it'll be ready to be worked, wow. be used. So super fast. And what we because it, what we wanted to be a rapid response, so if, uh, an area is getting hit. Let's say it's uh, right now it's it's Miami, but if it was uh, the eastern side of Washington State and they had some in the Yakima Valley and they needed a hospital there, they needed some extra space. It gets shipped there, and literally 
by the end of a long day, you could turn the lights on and they could start operating. And when I say operating, they could start operating out of this unit. That's impressive. So pretty quick. That's impressive. Uh, have you deployed uh, additional triage units? Uh, we've got the one headed to Miami. Are there others uh, around the country yet? So we're so the answer is the word's still getting out, and more we're under process of making them right now, and more will be going out to more units. We're hoping that uh, the word gets out. Most people didn't know this is possible to do, and now that they're seeing it possible, there's a lot of hospitals that. The remote hospitals are saying this would be great. We need it just to help take the pressure off of if someone walked in the hospital, we can have that. We can put them over here in this mobile triage, the infectious disease wing that's outside in the parking lot, not take the pressure off. And these larger hospitals, mid-site hospitals, they're looking at it saying right now with the heat, you can kind of keep people cool underneath the tent while they're waiting in line to try to figure out if their test works but they're worried about the cold and they're looking at this as being kind of a sorting operation where they can put people in, do the test, figure out how bad they are, if they're more advanced or less advanced, and then they could push them into or take them to the right wing or the left wing of the hospital or the fifth floor, wherever they got to take them to keep them. Uh, they kind of use it as a pre-sorter or a sorting area. And so when we're talking to the healthcare officials, they're, they're getting excited about it because they're like, this is a great tool. Um, one thing that I needed to clarify that uh, the hospital in Miami is receiving it, but the, the group that received the free donation is the Global Surgical and Medical Support Group. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of doctors and nurses across the country. Most of them were previously in the Department of Defense. They go to different countries and perform surgeries either for our military or just uh, to help the military in, in areas uh, across the world that have that have a need, and they were the actually the recipient of the the unit. They do a lot of training out of the the hospital, the Jackson Memorial Hospital. They have a lot of their training that goes on there, so they've asked to have it stationed there where it could be jointly used for the hospital itself, and then also that group can train with it there at that hospital. So it's kind of a neat uh, partnership between HHI donating and then the global surgical and medical support group and the hospital there in Miami. I see. Well, thanks for the clarification. I appreciate that. Um, no problem. So I hope uh, we can do everything we can to spread the word. This sounds like a, an amazing project. Uh, what other projects are you working on? Great question. So along with this COVID response, we're starting to build laboratories for COVID testing labs that are very modular. Uh, it, you can well, very well imagine that a lot of the testing of the of COVID takes some space. And right now, uh, I could probably kind of tell you the best story is I had a guy that was setting up a lab inside of a hospital. So they kind of kicked out the custodian in one room, uh, cleaned up the other room where the supply closet was and started throwing the gear in around the room to try to, you know, these, these operation, these machines that they need to do the testing. It's not that efficient, and then when you go to say, hey, uh, here's the flow of the process for testing, and you don't know what room it's supposed to go into, and they need two or three rooms in some of the hospitals, guys finally said, look, let's just put it in a, a mobile unit or a modular unit that we can take out and we can set outside, and then we can treat the, take care of our employees, but we can do the testing and not have to mess up with our 
how we already have programmed the hospital. So we're starting to build some of those uh, laboratories and uh, a lot of other things that are coming online. But that's the next one we're working on. We're actually building the first prototype right now for uh, one of the companies that we're working with. So we're excited about that, and we're looking forward to many more things that we can build for others. Well, that is exciting. That is exciting. Um, uh, Cliff, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, HHI in the very near future. Thanks again. Thanks, John. We appreciate you. All right, my name is John McMullen. This has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.